Hey everyone, Asim here. Carbon Hack is back this year. The hackathon will take place from Monday, March the 18th to Monday, April the 8th, 2024. Carbon Hack 24 is all about redefining the way we measure software to reduce its environmental footprint. At the heart of this hackathon is Impact Framework, an open source tool that lets you compute and report the environmental impacts of software applications accurately. Here's the challenge. In small teams, participants will have the freedom to choose from a variety of prize categories. So how can you become part of Carbon Hack 24? It's as simple as signing up on our website at grnsft.org forward slash hack forward slash podcast. Join us for three weeks of exciting challenges where engineers, designers, and content creators will use Impact Framework to measure software's environmental footprint. We can't wait to see what innovations and solutions emerge from this incredible event. See you there. At the end of the day, CCF is a community-supported and collaborative tool. And I think that's the biggest and strongest part of all is that this isn't methodology that one organization has owned or came up with, but that the, I want to say the entire industry who really cares about this subject has contributed and promoted growth for them. Hello, and welcome to Environment Variables, brought to you by the Green Software Foundation. In each episode, we discuss the latest news and events surrounding green software. On our show, you can expect candid conversations with top experts in their field who have a passion for how to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions of software. I'm your host, Chris Adams. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Environment Variables, where we bring you the latest news and updates from the world of sustainable software development. I'm your host, Chris Adams. In our first episode of Environment Variables, we spoke about the team working on cloud carbon footprint, about the subject of carbon calculation in the cloud. And a lot has happened since that episode. We've basically seen a spawn of imitators, and we've seen a launch of a number of native new platforms uh, that various cloud providers use to help people understand the environmental impact of using digital services. However, Cloud Carbon Footprint has remained the open source reference. And as we'll discuss in more detail, parts of it end up making it into all kinds of other services these days. So it's been a while since we spoke about Cloud Carbon Footprint or even carbon calculation in in total. So joining me today are two of the main maintainers of the project to dive into some of the weeds on this. All right, today I'm joined by Cam and Eric. Folks, I'll just give you the space uh, to introduce yourselves. Cam, if I uh, give you the floor, then Eric, I guess you can introduce yourself after that. Thanks, Chris. Really happy to be here. I'm Cameron Kasher. I work at ThoughtWorks on software, data, sustainability, general responsible tech, and really happy to talk to you today about Cloud Carbon Footprint. Cool. Thank you. And Eric? Hey, I'm Eric Smith. I also work as a developer consultant at ThoughtWorks, mainly as a cloud SME and a green software specialist but I am also excited to be here. So thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm excited here, but I'm also quite excited by the 
awesome looking poster that I can see inside the video. I'm afraid that you can't see it in the audio, but there looks like there's a Japanese poster behind you. Is that Zelda or something? Eric, can you please tell me what that is? Because it's totally distracting me, but it looks really awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So behind me, I have a, my home office, which is basically in my basement that I call my culture cave. So what you're looking at is what I call my wall of culture, where I just hang up artwork that I usually find at um, local vendors around town, mainly around my favorite video games or movies. So yeah, the poster is a poster with Link on it. And in Japanese katakana, it says Zelda. But there's also some other stuff on there. I have an Avatar poster right next to it for The Last Airbender and a Final Fantasy VII and an Arcane League of Legends posters, lots of fun stuff going on. Wow, that's an impressive nerd cave. And I think anyone who's <laughs> been following Zelda this year will probably be excited about a reference to Tears of the Kingdom, amongst other things. All right. And Cam, we met in person, actually, about a month ago when you came over to Berlin for the Green Coding Summit. And I... A, I realized you were so much taller than me. Oh, my God. But also, I didn't realize whereabouts that you were coming from. So you were coming from Colorado before. And at the time of recording, this is the 21st of December. So there's a bunch of really explosive political news that might impact what will happen with elections next year. But as much as I do want to talk about that and what the climate implications of having different leadership in America might be, I think I should ask you about one thing you told me about skiing in Colorado. That's the thing that you do on a regular, right? Yeah, it was great to see you in the flesh in Berlin. It was really awesome to be there. And yes, Colorado has found itself at the forefront of U.S. politics at the moment. So <laughs> that's exciting. And yeah, we're in a ski season here. I'm excited to get out and snowboard a bit, but still waiting on some of the good snow to hit some of the Colorado ski resorts. But I'll, I'll be trying to get some days in this winter for sure. Nice. Okay, cool. I'm calling from Berlin. And if you haven't heard this podcast before, I should probably introduce myself as well. Uh, my name is Chris Adams. I work as the executive director of the Green Web Foundation, a small Dutch nonprofit focusing on reaching an entirely fossil-free internet by 2030. But I'm also one of the chairs of the Green Software Foundation's policy working group, where we do work with standards bodies and other organizations working in this field of sustainable software and general sustainability. All right. I think with, with that in place, I should ask you, you folks, are you sitting comfortably? Looks like you are. Okay, then I guess I'll begin. Okay, Cameron, I'll ask you about this because you were talking about this notion of responsible tech when you came over in Berlin. And then maybe we'll, that, we'll use that as a way to talk about some of the projects that you've been working on. Maybe we could just open with what this notion of the responsible tech playbook that you're presenting because that looks like it provides a bit of context and that helps understand where tools and carbon calculation might actually fit into the context of d using technology in a more responsible basis. If you could start there, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I know you'll probably hint to this, but we can definitely link to these resources in the podcast description. But yeah, as you absolutely. mentioned... Thank you for reminding me. If you hear any projects mentioned or anything like that, and if we don't put it in the show notes, please do let us know because we realize that People who listen to this podcast often use every single project as a jump off board for their own research. So uh, we will do everything we can to make sure this is useful for other people who are taking their first steps or trying to explore this new field. All right, Cameron, yes, you were saying we were, you, you, you were presenting yeah. about this. Yeah. 
So ThoughtWorks has done some really cool stuff in the area of responsible tech. We had a playbook that came out a couple years ago. And really cool thing recently is we got in touch with some folks at the United Nations, and they were very interested in our responsible tech playbook. So we were able to do some really cool work partnering with them to create a more customized version of it. They're very large around the world, and they have a lot of people doing a lot of great stuff. So incorporating responsible tech principles and practices was very important to them and doing it in a more customizable way. So that's what I talked about in Berlin a bit at the Green Coding Summit about what the playbook was. So maybe it's worth just defining what we consider responsible tech. Yeah, go for it. We consider responsible tech as the active consideration of values, unintended consequences, and negative impacts of technology. A lot of times these tend to go overlooked. It's not always necessarily a negative intention when developing technology, but really it's the idea is to manage and mitigate potential risk and to be inclusive to all communities. There are a lot of different topics we cover in the playbook, including data and AI, accessibility is a big one. But what I really focused on, and honestly, because a bit of my background was sustainability. So I was able to shift the focus at the conference talking about it, but also help get a really cool chapter in the playbook around sustainability and how we could incorporate the idea of green ops and incorporating cloud carbon footprint. Okay. And green ops in this scenario is essentially what DevOps is to developing. Green ops is to this the same idea. Like it's essentially operationalizing some of the kind of aspects of green software. Is that the idea behind it? Yeah. And another ops really, there's a, a ton of ops these days, but the idea is tying it really close to DevOps or FinOps to from a more financial standpoint, really considering green software, carbon emissions, carbon footprint within your development process. Ah, okay. So that makes sense. And now I understand the link between there and cloud carbon footprint in its own right, which basically ends up essentially using some of the usage data that gets produced as a byproduct of operating various digital services and then providing that in a way that you can act upon or do something or, or use and Eric, I see you nodding. So I, I suspect maybe I should actually give, give some space for you here. Maybe you can introduce cloud carbon footprint to people who have never heard of this and why someone who is a software engineer who's curious about environmental sustainability in this context might care about it or want to know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Cloud Carbon Footprint is an open source tool for tracking your energy usage and carbon emissions across all the major cloud providers, AWS, Google Cloud, and Azure. And, which we can talk about later, we've also added or be, begun to add support for Alibaba Cloud as well. It's a great tool. It serves as a, an unopinionated mono repository of multiple toolkits for you to go about grabbing your estimates. So we have a CLI uh, or a command line interface you can interact with. Uh, we have an API that you can integrate into existing workloads or directly carry, as well as an out-of-the-box dashboard for visualizing and tracking your emissions over time. Um, and we present this at a daily granularity, sometimes even hourly, because what we do is we carry your usage from your billing data. So think about 
AWS, Athena, costing usage reports, exports, or your Google Cloud, BigQuery, billing data exports, or your Azure cost details, API, or exports. We take all of that in the granular usage data that they use and convert that into energy, where we can then convert that into carbon emissions to display. Ah, cool. Okay, so anything that can basically expose billing data or usage data can then uh, basically provide a single view across maybe an estate or a different set of services. So rather than having three or four uh, competing and possibly incompatible calculators, you have one consistent way of looking at this stuff, right? Absolutely. Yep. You'll have one unified methodology to be able to view your usage across uh, multiple cloud providers all within a single dashboard or a single place, which is great just to get a whole holistic view of where you stand and comparing apples to apples in that way. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Now I know that I've, I've been somewhat familiar of Cloud Carbon Footprint and there's a bit of a backstory behind uh, how it came about because I think there was actually a few years ago, there was some really like pioneering work from some folks at um, Etsy uh, who started on some of this. Um, I'll leave that open for either of you to actually talk a bit about that because I think there's a really interesting story about how some of this work done in the open there ends up turning into a tool which ends up feeling a little bit like, you know, the XKCD cartoon where there's that one piece of project that everything gets built on. That's how I see a bunch of this. And uh, maybe, I, maybe I'll let one of you folks explain some of the origins of this and how that end up, how, how some of that led to CCF or Cloud Carbon Footprint being like an open source project with a number of users. Yeah, absolutely. So within ThoughtWorks itself, there was a lot of growing interest within climate action and getting a hold of our own infrastructure and where our footprint stands with that, especially within our cloud resources. And what we found was that there was not really a tool to do so at the time. So this was about, and Cam, feel free to correct me on timing, but I believe about 2020, where the bulk of this work was done. And being thought workers, we typically decided to look into ways we could perhaps create a way for ourselves to measure our own cloud usage. And we came across Etsy's awesome cloud jewels methodology and saw the way that they were estimating compute resources within the cloud. And it served as a great basis and foundation for us to build and find out how can we do that for Google Cloud and AWS and Azure, all the different cloud providers that we have some level of usage within. So we started building out a proof of concept to estimate our own internal usage. And eventually we made the decision that due to the absence of any tooling out there, that this is something everyone should have because we want to empower all organizations and all um, users to be able to have this level of transparency with their cloud usage because the compute resources and overall energy usage of the IT industry in general is a big major part of our global footprint, especially in major large tech companies and large scale product companies. We went open source back in March 2021. And since then, we've been iterating on it ever since until the cloud providers came out with their own native tools, which is great. And we saw more and more tools and interests popping up in this space. Ah, okay. That's cool. So basically, there's this OG climate calculation stuff uh, from Etsy. And then that, that served as some of the basis for a more polished tool that could be used in lots of different contexts rather than just the ones that Etsy used. Because I think back then, Etsy had a bunch of on-prem stuff and a bunch of Google Cloud. So that was where some of it looked like. But when CCF became, I think the first version of that I saw actually had support for both AWS and a bit of Google Cloud. And now it's actually got 
support for, like you said, all the big ones plus Alibaba. I didn't know about Alibaba, actually. Yeah. Alibaba is limited to compute resources for now, but we're still looking into ways to expand that. Um, similar to how we did um, at the beginning with Etsy. They were estimating cloud um, compute resources. And then we started thinking about how can we expand that to memory and to networking. And all of that has been a collaborative effort, which is why we call out Etsy within our methodology as the basis from where we started from. Like even just the networking estimations, we work with Benjamin Davey from Teeds based on a write-up he did for estimating network as well as embodied admissions and iterated within the other usage levels within the same way. Ah, cool. I, I think I remember actually there's a bit of work by David Mitten that where, when he, he did some work around the CPU coefficient stuff as well. I realize I'm diving into like loads of really nerdy stuff, uh, Cam, but I see you <laughs> nodding. So maybe I'll let you just touch on some of that stuff because I think it might be worth talking a little bit about where else this turns up because we've seen a number of calculators kind of uh, launched now. A lot of them either reference CCF or have started using that as a basis. And uh, But before though, I'm getting ahead of myself, yeah. The, uh, maybe I'll give, give the space for you, Cameron, because I saw you getting uh, a bit excited there when we were talking about some of that. Yeah, what's funny is the opportunity to speak here today with you gave us gave Eric and I a chance to be a little retrospective about our time with CCF and think about lessons learned and what's gone on, what's been challenging. And yeah, even just hearing Eric talk about our partnerships and collaboration, I think it's just worth saying that's been a really cool aspect of being an open source maintainer just being able to openly work with the community, being able to have really awesome discussions with industry experts like David Mitten or Benjamin Davey or everyone at Etsy to just continually evolve the methodology for CCF and make it better, make it fit users. And getting into some of the challenges, I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, but it's just a tough point is that we don't have the best transparency into who's using the tool. And I think that's a pretty common trend for open source software. But a lot of it is just through word of mouth. Or even when I was in Berlin and talked about it, I got the chance to meet a lot of people that approached me and let me know that they were using mm. CCF, which is it's really cool to hear about that and the impact that it's had. Oh, thanks, Cam. So you mentioned David, uh, David Mitten, and uh, uh, and I realise there's a couple of other people who are also involved in this as well. I mean, well, the original person on the podcast was uh, uh, Danielle. Uh, oh, oh, Cameron, I need you to help me with her surname. What was Dan What was Danielle's surname again? Because she was yeah. the original product manager on this. Danielle Erickson, and she was yeah one of the first guests, and she was a very integral role with the open source launch and continued feature development for CCF as our project manager. So um, yeah, Danielle had a serious role. And also Lisa McNally, who is the, also on the policy working group with you, um, she helped spearhead a lot of our development too. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Marco Valtas, who had a significant role on our dev team as well. Oh, cool. I'm really glad you mentioned that, actually. And uh, actually, going back, Jesus, in a few years back now, oh, uh, was, uh, I believe, Chelsea, Chelsea, I think it's Chelsea Moisen. She was one of the people who was organizing Climate Action Tech back in 2019, 2020. And uh, I learned so much from her. And she was one of the people really pushing the stuff at Etsy as well. So it's, I'm really glad you spoke about some of the other people because there's a whole lineage of people who've been contributing to this now over the years. And so many people are coming to mind. And, you know, even Dan Lewis Tokley, who's been a part of the Green Software Foundation, really spearheaded the open source launch too in the early days. So important to include him as well. 
happy days. So I think we're just trying to look for ways to have a better understanding of who's using it. We have an adopters markdown file in our GitHub repo, but we're still trying to get the word out that we want to know what your story is and what your experience has been with CCF. And we have a blog that we just put on the micro site and we're very open to just sharing stories and experiences to providing help for anyone new who wants to try and get it set up at their organization or just for their own personal use. I can definitely speak to this because we maintain where I work, we maintain a library called CO2JS, which we know is used in a few places. Like uh, we spoke to Mozilla and it's in their browser, which is cool. And we work with some other people where we collaborated, but then sometimes it turns up in totally random places. So like I did a talk um, in Hungary uh, and I was invited to speak at this event. And then when it was launched, I found out that it was actually used inside one of the key projects that people were actually launching on the day. I was, oh, wow, that's cool. Unexpected, but nice to know, right? And I feel that seems to be some of this, the cases when I see with CCF, because I know that um, there's, a, there's a tool called Green Pixie, which is a quite well-developed, quite sophisticated co- commercial product that initially had some origins with CCF, where they use some of that. I understand, I believe... I think VMware uses some parts of it as well as IBM. So it turns up in all these interesting places that I didn't, that I hadn't thought about. And when I actually was at the same event as you, I didn't realize the footprint it had in the financial services industry. And that was the thing that really blew my mind, actually. And this, it's, I guess it kind of does make sense, really, because if you don't have access to information here, having an open methodology is quite useful. And we... At that event, we saw at least one person from a well-known bank, ABN AMRO. This is like one of the third largest banks in the Netherlands. They basically said, we're a regulated organization. We, when we, look, when we calculated our, our emissions, it's like 40% of our carbon footprint comes from our use of digital services. So we want to have an open tool that doesn't have us rely on a single thing and lets us be transparent with both our regulators, but also our sustainability teams. And this was actually mind-blowing that you'd actually have companies talking about this because for the lo- for the longest time people tend to either don't say too much about what the environmental impact of digital services might be in their organization or they either or they say it's very low so to have organizations say yeah we're using it this is what we use as our basis and this is how we calculate it was mind-blowing it was really useful to see that actually because like you said it's really hard to see and it would be it's so nice to know that it's reassuring to find people using your projects but Sometimes it's so hard. You, 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 you do ask yourself, like, could we have found out another? Did I have to really fly across the Atlantic to find out that people are using this tool? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just add, I think we might touch on this a bit too, but our roadmap, how we decide what we want to continue to build and look into is really community driven. So it's really helpful to understand how people are using CCF to help us understand what to fix mm. or implement. Yeah. It's just very important really. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that then, because we spoke about roadmaps and I saw you nodding along when you were thinking about some of the things that are on this list. And I realize that you've been implementing some of this. Are there any kind of like exciting things that you're looking looking forward to seeing the light of day or being able to work on that you're really thinking, oh, I cannot wait for this to be visible, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a few things in the works that I think are exciting. One of the big things is a lot of improvements we've been trying to do this year is to our overall implementation of Azure, as well as just performance and scalability, which has been one of the biggest lessons learned during the time that we've been developing CCF. 
because ThoughtWorks itself isn't a product company, so we don't have a lot of internal cloud usage. So really learning and leveraging partners and collaborators and sometimes even clients to figure out what type of issues or what type of considerations that enterprise level product companies will have when using CCF has been really helpful and what we've been really leaning into. And even just Azure as well, because Azure has a different implementation where it's more API based instead of SQL based, like your Google Cloud BigQuery or your AWS Athena, which we interact with for usage. So we're currently have a migration going on to migrate to some of the new ways that Azure has made available to grab billing data. And one of that is through their new cost details API, which we were previously using their consumption management API, and then as well as the ability to export cost into an Azure blob and be able to parse a large amount of data from that. So that's currently in the works, and we we think this will help a lot of large-scale Azure users, which unfortunately, due to the differences in implementation, tends to lag a little bit behind in some of the ways we deal with the other cloud providers. But also, even beyond that, we've seen a lot of interest in trying to get a grasp of usage and cost for Kubernetes workloads and clusters. And we have a really cool partnership coming up and ways we are looking into collaborating with OpenCost, um, another open source tool for um, diving into Kubernetes um, spend and finding ways to use CCF as a basis to showcase um, energy usage and carbon emissions uh, alongside the data that they show within a tool. We've done a similar collaboration in the past with Backstage, making CCF a plugin for their platform. And that is also another cool opportunity coming up because people use OpenCost and we're trying to really leverage the ways that CCF is flexible and extensible to where you can still use CCF's methodology as we've seen in some of the other tools we we mentioned, but also in your existing toolkit. And that's why we keep referring to it as a tool and not just a product, because it's really just a, a means to an end to be able to get transparency into your um, cloud usage and uh, carbon footprint. I think those are two of the biggest things. Oh, and we also have Boa Vista, but I may actually toss that to Cam because that's something he's been a little bit closer um, yeah. to to talk about. All right, Cam. The, uh, before before we go into that, I just want to. I realize that we didn't actually speak about this. Now, um, CCF is a open source product. Um, it's presumably written, is, is it TypeScript or JavaScript? Maybe we could just touch on that briefly because I realized that we didn't actually talk about any of that uh, and it m- might be useful for people who are curious about taking their first steps, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, CCF is uh, open source mono repository, all written in TypeScript. And that was a deliberate decision because we wanted to have a single language used across the entire code base to make contributions and onboarding to the project easier. So if you're looking for open source um, project to contribute to, we welcome it. Even if you just want to read the methodology and provide feedback, we welcome that as well. But yeah, so the dashboard itself is mainly leverages React and is a simple React dashboard for visualizing your data with the API being in Express and the rest being in uh, native TypeScript. Uh-huh. Try to keep it simple, but... Oh, so it's stuff that people are likely to be to use. It's not something like written in... Sorry, Haskell friends, like Haskell or something, which is not that popular. Okay, cool. Absolutely. All right, Cam, yeah. Cam, you're about to talk about some of the other things that are on the roadmap that you 
uh, touched on. I think maybe it might be worth just briefly t- explaining what Boa Vista is, because if people haven't heard of Boa Vista, they might not know about the cool French guys and uh, women working in that particular project. Yeah, Boa Vista actually had a really cool workshop at the summit that we were at in Berlin, and they were explaining some of the ways that you can go about measuring the energy from some of your server usage, which is some really cool work and props to those guys who did an excellent job there. Cause I think there was uh, a really good collaboration in that workshop and it was pretty well received and spawned yeah. a lot of great conversation. I agree with you on that. I um, remember. Yeah. So the, so the thing with the interesting about Boa Vista is like, we'll share a link to the workshop because one thing that was nice is they did this, Boa Vista led one of these workshops about understanding inf- the both embodied energy and the usage energy in cloud. But they did another one about AI as well. But they were gracious enough to share the entire decks and everything online as well. So we'll add some links to that. So we've ex- established Boa Vista. That was one thing. But you mentioned there's some other products or other kind of integrations that are on the li- on the roadmap that you might be talking about possibly also with French-speaking people involved, I suppose. Yeah. So I guess for context, we, with our methodology, we've had to rely on a lot of other public and open data sets since a lot of the information around carbon or energy estimations, we haven't been able to grab directly from the major cloud providers, at least just yet. We are really reliant on some of the open data sets we find. And with that comes a lot of manual updating and monitoring to make sure we're aware of when some of these data sets get published with new information. This really led us to the idea of wanting to more automate the way that people could get some of this data, whether it's um, energy estimations for servers or even carbon intensity values. What we've really wanted to try and do lately is almost integrate feature toggles. You can always default to some of this average data from the publicly available sources, but if you have a Boa Vista subscription or however you'd connect, then maybe you could select that as your way to get some server information from some of your, let's say, AWS vCPUs. Or another thing that we wanted to Express was our partnership with Electricity Maps. This is another company over in Europe that's doing a really great job around understanding real-time carbon intensity values from regions globally around the world. This is really nice for CCF because you can really get more accurate uh, carbon intensity data, which is a integral part of our estimation for carbon emissions in our methodology. And Some of the work we were able to do lately was map the electricity map zones to cloud provider regions. So you're able to directly connect. If you have a subscription to electricity map, you essentially just pick a box and say you want to use this and get to see some of their data and map it to some of the daily values that you'll see from your cost and usage report. Oh, I see. Okay, so if I, to make that a little bit more concrete, when you often have, say, some values, which might be, so people often talk about the idea that you can maybe change a region to reduce the environmental impact. Let's, let's say using AWS and on one part of the the United States on the eastern seaboard, near Virginia, for not eastern seaboard, but <laughs> North Virginia, yeah, that's going to be using a bunch of coal. And you, but on the other side, you might have, say, 
in Oregon is going to be a very kind of like cleaner grid by comparison. But there may be other places which might fluctuate at various times and that will capture some of those changes specifically that electricity map would give you, right? If there's maybe times of day where it's particularly sunny and windy, you'd have green energy there and it would actually reflect that in the building, for example, or show it in your, your stats in a given day or hour, right? Right. And the really cool thing about their API is that we are able to grab historic data. And a lot of people using CCF are wanting to see what their usage looked like for the past year or two. So we're able to actually map on those given days of their usage and backtrack and backfill. And yeah, they also offer hourly estimations too. That's something we're looking forward to potentially implementing for CCF is estimations on an hourly basis. Oh, I did not know that. That's very cool to know. All right, because... This is one of the scenarios that I'm curious about because once you do actually have like a, enough usage data, you often, the question is, it's almost hypothetical. Now I know I, I, I've been doing this year, what could I have done so that I can inform like future discussions? This is why, because a lot of the time having maybe a bunch of historical data and then being able to see would it have made a difference if I switched to another region or would it have made a difference if I moved a particular piece of job that happened, a com computing job that happened every single time at this time, could I have measured that? And it sounds like this, this is some of the tooling that actually makes some of that possible. So you can start comparing what you would do and then say, this is what we should be doing next year now that we've actually got our, our, some of our own usage data and some carbon information about what we, what, where we might go from there. Yeah, and I know a lot of organizations that are trying to set their sustainability goals for the future. And mm -hmm. even in the case of ThoughtWorks, having that baseline year is very important where you can set a year and be able to say, okay, this is our baseline. This is where we want to measure up against as we try and hit some of our goals that we're setting, like our five or 10 year plans. Being able to see that historic data is very important to say, if you want to set 2023 as your baseline, you can see what your cloud carbon footprint looks from that year and just move forward, try and improve it. Ah, okay. That's helpful because basically the entire sector needs to halve its emissions by 2030 in order to stay on the kind of pipe on the trajectory for 1.5 degrees. And I guess that gives you some context. That works out to be about a saving. You need to reduce emissions by between 7 to 10% per year, depending on what you have. And this might give you a way of saying, okay, here's what they are now, this year. This is what we need to beat or stay inside if we're going to be on track. Huh, I didn't know that. Exactly, okay. yeah. And actually, that's a good plug for the, the SCI standard, the Green Software Foundation, because... Uh, CCF does a really good job at giving you your holistic view of all your usage and emissions, which a lot of companies is only going to grow as they scale. Also, using this alongside the SEI could be helpful to see more of the rate of carbon emissions. Okay, so this is one thing that I think is interesting that really caught my eye, because when I was initially looking at cloud carbon footprint, there was this idea that you can tag certain services. So you can say, here's my team, or there's a particular there's a, maybe a particular digital service I make available to people. Presumably, you could track that and you could say over this week, the SCI has been this much, which is a software carbon intensity. And then I want to improve that by X percent. And that, you could set that as a target for the next month and so on. That's essentially what you would be able to do. Is that correct? Yeah. So we did implement tagging, which was mm -hmm. a really crucial feature for us in a lot of ways to help with this whole idea of green ops and just understanding how you can do different breakdowns for teams or resources. And actually, Eric was a really pivotal developer for the tagging. So I might let him speak a little bit about. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so 
Tagging basically allowed for us to display the same tags that you would use within your AWS or Google Cloud or Azure resources, but also expose them on the resources that we were estimating within CCF. And it's great because not only does does it allow you to filter at a more custom level when you're using the CCF API, if you only want to see resources tagged with a specific value, but it's also great for when you're trying to see aggregated estimates for a custom grouping of resources. So Cam mentioned whether this may be at a team level or a sub-organization level or a project level or however you wish to organize it. So it has been great in getting a grasp and a much more custom level of where you stand within your organization and what your big contributors are that go beyond just the account and service level. No, that's <laughs> actually really interesting. So so what, what I think it sounds like you're saying is with tagging like this, you could basically say in a given month, I know that the, all, the, all the billing for this particular service has been this much. And I know I've done maybe 100,000 or 10 million requests. Then basically, because the software carbon intensity is, is essentially, it's the number of things you've done divided by the, by, by, by the emissions or other way around, basically. That sounds like you could plausibly get SCI ratings for almost any service very quickly that way across an entire project, basically. I didn't really I didn't really think of it that way, but that 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 would be right. If you just have a bunch of things tagged, you know how much usage you have, like how many people have used this or how many requests have you served, that will be enough to put together some calculations for these figures for a rate like that that you could track over time, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think it also opens a lot of possibilities for the ways that you can use CCF. So it's something that I forgot to mention on our roadmap, we're trying to continue to expand upon. Right now, a lot of those features are available at the API level, which mm. just so happens to be the most popular way people interact with CCF. Uh, but we're also trying to leverage the dashboard to be able to view a breakdown of your tagged resources in a much more custom way and be able to filter through da- data through there as well. But absolutely, yeah, it opened up a door to where the world is your oyster in terms of how you choose to bring your estimates or certain groupings into your overall footprint. Okay, so I'm glad we had this conversation because my now the next thing I want to ask is uh, about community involvement because when you're running an open source project, there's there's a there's a challenge about working out do you use a mailing list? How do you actually get feedback from people? Let's say we just had this conversation about okay, I want to have automatic SCI readings for every single thing that comes through. Like, where would I ask? Is there like a Slack channel? Or is there a mailing list? Or is there a, a GitHub discussions board or something? Maybe I could ask one of you about where I would ask something like this to have this conversation because uh, I'll be honest, I might look at some of this over winter if nothing else over the winter break because I, that didn't occur to me until we just had this conversation now. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a learning experience for us. Um, ThoughtWorks has had a few open source projects previously, but at least for us personally, we've never been maintainers, so we have definitely still have been trying to figure out that cadence of what is our preferred communication method? What do people prefer? And with this project being targeted not only to the software engineer that's curious about their own team's um, carbon footprint, but also IT execs that can actively make decisions and utilize CCF to provide a lot of information behind those decisions, we have to be flexible. So we started and currently still use a simple Google group, which is on our website that you can join and become a community member of 
And we get lots of emails that way, either trying, uh, asking direct questions or troubleshooting information from our team or just the community at large, which has been great because sometimes people may chime in and share their experiences or give their feedback. Of course, since our project is on GitHub, we leverage a lot of Git, GitHub issues and the typical cadence that you would find within the open source repository there. So people usually raise new issues for bug reports or features. And we've also recently enabled the GitHub discussions board for our repository to allow for further discussions, especially around feedback or general questions to hopefully try to lessen the load on our email group a bit and keep it closer to our code since we've been seeing a lot of technical questions and bug reports and troubleshootings coming through there. And more recently, we've been trying to experiment with a Slack channel to get some of those conversations going at least a little bit more seamlessly. Because one of the main things we've been troubleshooting and learning from is the way that we interact with collaborators. Uh, a lot of times when other organizations or companies are standing up CCF within their own organization, they often want to get back to the tool or they may find a bug or something to improve and may open up pull requests. And a lot of that conversations have been through the email group or GitHub at large. But for instance, that Azure API migration that we're working on is actually being collaborated with some engineers from Resync that Cam met, Cam met during his time in Berlin. So we've opened up a Slack channel to hopefully make some of that collaboration and communication and questions easier before it's been ad hoc. Okay, we'll join your Slack or we'll jo join your your team's account or maybe we can do a simple uh, Google chat, but hopefully to centralize and encourage uh, a lot of those communications and collaborations going forward. Ah, cool. So you said one thing that was quite interesting there about that it's not central. It's this gives me the impression that it's that cloud carbon footprint is almost like yes, there's obviously some work from ThoughtWorks and some contribution there, but it exists as its own project. I think when I'm looking up now, if I go to GitHub, it's it's its own organization. So there's like a there's the, is the implication there that this would be like a community project that in the long run would have other organizations contributing and maintaining it because I didn't know about Resync actually contributing in that way. That's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. That's the stance we've always taken with CCF. I know we mentioned ThoughtWorks a lot, mm -hmm. and that's why we're trying to pivot to language to ThoughtWorks as being the primary sponsor of the tool. Because oh. at the end of the day, they have invested a lot within um, Cam and I's team and the sustainability solutions team at large to put in a lot of the day-to-day -day work within the tool. But everything we spoke about from that initial methodology and building a top of um, Etsy cloud jewels. Like there were conversations with Etsy actually being had to get feedback on the methodology we were coming up and the okay to move forward that way. Uh, we've collaborated with the cloud providers themselves to get feedback on the way we were doing things and to see if our estimates make sense. And yeah, even with other organizations on our website, we have a list of innovation partners, which really don't even cover everyone we've worked with that have contributed to the project in some way. And that's why even on GitHub, it's organized within at least all the all of the CCF-related repositories are organized within the Cloud Carbon Footprint organization. Because at the end of the day, it is a community-supported and collaborative tool. And I think that's the biggest and strongest part of all is that this isn't a methodology that one organization has owned or came up with, but that the... I want to say the entire industry who really cares about this subject has contributed and promoted growth within. 
Okay, so like an open place where there's some consensus to actually figure out, okay, this is how you measure this stuff. All right, wow. Absolutely. All right, we're coming up to time now. So I just want to make sure, are there any things that you folks would like me to draw attention to? Or and, 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 and are there any questions I, I haven't asked yet that you'd like me to ask or you want to talk about before we come to the end of this? I'll just say that I just want to thank you for letting us speak to CCF. Um, if there's anything that's become more apparent to me recently, it's been the impact that CCF has had in the community and in this domain. And I know we talked a bit about this, but just stressing that we want to hear more from the community. We want to understand the people using it. So really feel free to reach out to us in any of the ways that Eric just explained, Google or GitHub. And yeah, we'd love to talk more and understand about how you're using CCF. And one of the things we didn't really get into today was just how CCF can really be like the starting point for a lot of companies because just understanding where you're at and measuring is a first phase of even this green ops idea where you get into understanding, measuring, and then the final act of reducing your carbon footprint. So we'd like to think that CCF really helps enable that act of reducing. And I know the Green Software Foundation has a lot of great material around where to start, especially around the cloud with the green software pattern. So using CCF to have sort of a perspective and baseline of where you think you can start to tweak and make some changes is really a cool and important way to understand how different people are mitigating their carbon footprint in the cloud. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Cam. And Eric, I realized that I should have asked this at the very beginning, but if someone wants to find out about Cloud Carbon Footprint, the project, is there a domain name? Is there a website? What would you what, what, what would they type into their favorite search engine or browser? Yeah, absolutely. Usually if you Google Cloud Carbon Footprint, we're <laughs> appreciatively one of the first, if not the first, to pop up. But yeah, you can definitely find us at cloudcarbonfootprint.org. Um, it contains our website, our main documentation and a breakdown of our methodology. There's also a live demo there if you don't want to download the tool, but want to get familiar with what the dashboard is and the capabilities of it. Um, and also links to our GitHubs and some of the community groups like the Google groups that we mentioned is available there as well. Otherwise, like Cam mentioned, we're pretty open. So if you still have a question or want to get involved in some way or even have feedback, which we welcome a lot, feel free to hit us up on LinkedIn or shoot us an email. Maybe we'll provide a link or something and or any preferred channel that you can find us on. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Okay, then. And uh, maybe we'll just wrap up there. But it's, I feel like there's maybe one thing that it's really worth emphasizing. If you're using tools like Cloud Carbon Footprint, please do tell the maintainers that they're using them. Because usually you only ever hear from people when they're unhappy with your product or project rather than when they are using it. And it does make it easier to feel better about your life choices. So that was the last thing I might share with you. Uh, because it's something that we actually experience ourselves with CO2JS as well. But folks, I really enjoyed learning about Cloud Carbon Footprint with you here. And uh, I'm looking forward to some of the cool new things that come up from there. Once again, thanks again for your time. And uh, Cam, enjoy your skiing. And Eric, enjoy uh, adventures with Link. All right? <laughs> Will do. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. See you around. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Environment Variables on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave a rating and review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we'd love to have more listeners. To find out more about the Green Software Foundation, please visit greensoftware.foundation. That's greensoftware.foundation in any browser. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.